So we talked about a couple different things. Pastor Garvin's got a lot to share, and um, but sometimes it's fun just to, to have a conversation. So pull up to our fireside, and uh, we'll have a conversation. So Pastor Garvin, tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce your family to us for some of the guys that might not have met him. Okay, my name is Garvin McCarroll. I've been here five years. I come from Amarillo, Texas. I came with Brady Boyd when he took the senior pastor uh, five years ago. So uh, I've been in ministry for right at 30 years. I've got uh, uh, three children, uh, many grandchildren. We'll try to show you some slides here, if you would. The first one, this is uh, my, there's my beautiful bride. I've been married to Kim for 34 years and met her in college. And she's a babe. She really is. She's a blessing. This is the McCarroll tribe here. And Stay with me on that. We didn't start it this way, but it just developed. All of our kids' names are with K's, and it's, it's carried over into our grandkids. So here we go. That, uh, go back to the other one. No, go, go back to that. Let me give you this one. There's Caleb. It, uh, we'll start up there in the left hand. That's Cody and Lindsay, Courtney, Caleb, and his wife, Kimmy. And then there's Colt. There is Kalen and Callie. On Kim's lap. So I don't know how that all got started, but it did. The K curse is alive and well on the Carol. So we're going there. We have another one that was just born named uh, little Kate. There, there's the three grandkids. You get sappy when you get grandkids. There is uh, Kate. I got to tell you a quick story on that that went back to Amarillo a month ago and Kate was born and I was holding her and I had my camera. I said, now Kate, this is your G Paul. And that's exactly what she did. She started smiling. So, so for you guys, when you hold your child's child, it, I can't describe what that does to you. You just get sappy. That's all I can say. It's just great. It really is. So next one there, uh, this is my son. Both my sons are police officers in Amarillo and Canyon. They've been there eight and 10 years on that. That's his son, Colt, good Texas name. So he tells me many stories that I don't want to hear about what he deals with every day. So I pray for them a lot. Uh, next one there. This is uh, the way we look on the weekends. We go from pastor extraordinaire to biker. That's my, my wife, biker chick. She, she does. You know, it's really amazing. We walk in, we'll get leathered up, and we walk into the store, and you get profiled. You really do. It's funny to watch how people start getting their kids and start taking them to the door like three <laughs> hell's angels. So we'll pray for them, but we won't rob them. Uh, this is uh, my band of brothers that I ride with. Marty Steele up there, and Brian Brown is right back here. So the, the, we love to ride in Colorado. Uh, we enjoy it here very, very much. So that's, that's my family. We're, we're blessed. We really are. Uh, I had the opportunity a few months back. It was really a privilege. Uh, Garvin called me one day and said, uh, my dad's in town and he wants to go eat Mexican. And so we went out and had a great time. So tell me, tell, tell me a little bit about your dad. In fact, really my dad's name is Cecil McCarroll. He's 88 years old. And as we speak, he's in Washington, D.C. I don't know if you've heard of this program called uh, Honor Flight where the VA Veterans Administration, they'll fly veterans back to Washington for a week and give them a parade, uh, take them through all the memorials and stuff, because that generation is dying off quickly. And so my dad and a hundred others that uh, the VA charter plane from Amarillo, they're there now, and my dad is a a strong Christian. So we've been praying that he would have divine appointments there, and I know he's telling everybody millions of stories when he's there. But So my dad fought in World War II. And his ship was sank, and uh, he's got more stories than I have time to tell tonight. But that's, he's a great man. He really is. My mother passed away last summer, and so Dad, is, they were married 65 years. So I come from a rich history of, you know, good marriage. When we were sitting there at Mexican, I said, I've noticed a few things about guys of your season 
that they always cleaned their plate. And he had this huge spread of Mexican. And so he totally cleaned that thing up. And I'm like, so what is that? And he goes, and he goes into the depression and all this other. And it was just a great, great moment with Cecil. So, so your family, thanks for introducing us to them. Um, tell us a, a good family story. I know you guys have been campers over the years. So give us a camper have, story. I know everybody's got stories, but I've got the mic, so I'm going to tell mine. Um, <laughs> When I I managed a youth camp when I was in college, and I really got into backpacking at that time. So uh, we had this wild idea, idea, me and another guy, we bought 15 sets of everything and started a little backpacking business. So uh, we took many, many trips with many different groups, and my wife got to go on a lot of them. But one trip that stands out that we were, we took a group that was in range from 20 years old to 50 years old, was in this group. And single men and single women and couples and stuff. So we were in the Pecos Wilderness in New Mexico, and we got in there about uh, 12 miles, made base camp, and uh, about six miles that first day, made base camp. We took them on a hike that day about, uh, about 12 miles and uh, got back in there, and we, ran in, we had an encounter with a bear. And so at this national forest had a fence that we jumped on the other side of the fence, and that bear was kind of stalking us and looking, and so we... We gingerly backed down the trail and went back to camp that night. Well, it kind of bothered all of us that we knew that that bear was somewhere out there lurking. So, you know, as all good backpackers do, we hung our food in the tree, and we got bedded down for that night. And so I was in my tent, and I'm leading the trip, you know, and I'm in my tent that night, and I hear something right by my head, and it's breathing like... I don't know if you've ever been close to a bear or Darth Vader, but the bear, I thought... It came down, it smelt the food, and here we are. And I've got all these people, and you know, it's going to rip the tents apart and eat people and stuff like that. So you know, I'm just laying there, and you know how it is when it, I just break in a cold sweat, like, what am I going to do? I've got to be the, I've got to get out and, and do something. So I sit there, and I get my plan. I'm just going to unzip my tent and, and go for it. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I do that, and unzip my tent and run out there, and there's no bear anywhere. And this lady had camped right by my tent, and it was her breathing that heavy. <laughs> That night. Her name was Debbie Durling. I hope nobody's here, but we called her the rest of the trip Grizz Durling, and she did too. So that, anyway, a lot more. So that's my camping story. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. We got uh, several different gener- uh, seasons and decades represented here tonight, and one of the things I was hoping Pastor Garvin could share is a little bit of, just about his career and his work life. Um, back when he was shining shoes as a knee-high. But uh, just take us through just some of the big blocks of your career and work history. Yeah, uh, well, you know, I, I came into ministry at 28 years old. I knew the Lord had called me at 12, but it didn't happen until I was 28. And I believe this, you get your work ethic not in ministry, but in the secular job that you had. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, w- I worked for a company called Diesel Injection Service. I was in sales. We did fuel pumps, injectors, turbochargers, and we had the whole Texas was our. We had four branches, and so we had about six or eight salesmen in that. And so I remember, this is my divine appointment stories, that uh, when I went to work for Diesel Injection Service, my sales manager was not a Christian. In fact, he, he detested believers and didn't let me know it. I told him the, the whole company knew when I came on that I was a believer, a strong believer and that. Well, first time I met him, he came up to me and he said, I tell you what, I'm going to corrupt you. you know, and I was 25 or 26 years old, and I thought, boy, this is going to be good. Here, I needed somebody to kind of help me in that. And the first thing that he says, I'm going to corrupt you. And he did everything within his power to do that for the next couple of years. He really did. We'd have sales meetings in Dallas, and he would try to drag me to places that I did not want to go. One weekend, we were in Dallas for a sales meeting, and he did. We went to a place that none of us should have went. And we came back, and I happened to room with him that night. And so 
we went to the room and we began to talk. And I just began to ask him, I said, why do you detest believers so much? He said, well, I'll tell you why. Well, I don't like you and your bunch. I said, all right. He said, when I was in junior high, I came home on a lunch break, and I found my mom in there with the deacon in, our bedroom, in, her, in the bedroom. And so I've never had any value for you at all. And so that's, that's it. So we talked a long time that night. And uh, long story short, some seeds were planted. I don't think he ever accepted the Lord, but before I left, I know that he said this, hey, because uh, I was leaving that job to come into ministry. And he said, hey, Garth, this God gig doesn't work. You've always got a job here. And so I want to encourage everybody is that whatever you're doing, employment out, do the best you can because God will use that in a way. And I don't know what happened to Howard, uh, but I know some seeds were planted. I wish I could say I led him to the Lord, but I didn't. That's one. The second divine appointment was this. If you're in sales, I just encourage you to pray that God would open doors for you. Uh, because I got to know my, my territory and my clients very, very well. And I remember one time I came in as a farm implement dealership that I went into, and I knew this guy very well. And so I got to go back and talk to him, and I knew something was wrong that day with him when I walked in. And so I talked to him. I said, well, you seem heavy today. What's wrong? He said, I am. I said, I just found out my daughter's got cancer. She's not expected to live. And I didn't know if he was a believer or not. And so I just said, well, I believe in prayer. Can I pray for you? He goes, yeah, you can. So we prayed, and we prayed there. And I remember he wept. And I, he wasn't a believer. And so, uh, you know, I prayed for him. Well, shortly after that, I left diesel injection service and came into ministry. And I forgot all about that. But God doesn't forget our prayers that we pray. So this was 10 years later. I'm at Trinity Fellowship Church, and a guy, I'm walking in church. He says, hey, I need to talk to you. I said, yeah. I didn't recognize him because he had hair. When I called on him, he didn't have any hair now. That happens when you get older. It really does. So he said, do you remember me? And I said, I'm sorry, I don't. He introduced himself. I said, yes, I remember. He said, I want to tell you something. He said, do you remember coming in my office and praying for my daughter? I said, yeah. He said, I want to tell you something. God healed her. She's married and got three kids today. So thank you for praying. So, man, I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at, God can use you in a powerful way. Just be available, you know, and he'll, he'll use you. So that's my, my story. Uh, highlight. Also, that was in sales. My highlight, can I tell this, Russell? My highlight for ministry was this. I was a youth pastor. I came into ministry at 28 years old, a little older for a youth pastor, and I did that for 10 years. And then... I worked with a lot of kids, did a lot of weddings and things, and so fast forward that uh, to last year, last July. That youth ministry that I had, those kids called me and said, we want to do a 20-year reunion. So I went back to Amarillo, and all those kids that I had 20 years ago were now 38, 37, some of them 40. They took the extended plan in school. That I went back, and they began. I mean, I was just it, it was incredible because the seeds that were planted in those young people took root, and they grew, and they remembered sermons that I taught. I thought, really? Golly. But, but the thing that they talked most about was the camping of relationships, things that we did. We got to interact together and do that, and they remembered that from 20 years later. So that's been the highlight of my sales career and ministry so far. What's your highlight as an executive pastor? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> every day is never dull, I'll tell you that. that uh, really, uh, as an executive pastor coming here, uh, I've wanted to move to Colorado for 30-some-odd years. In fact, my wife and I, we put mountains on our rings when we got married 34 years ago. It took us 30-some-odd years to get here, but we're here. But just being in Colorado, being at New Life, I plan to spend the rest of my days here. This is a great place, connecting with a lot of men, and it's a great place to be, and we love it here. So every day is a great day here. It is. Garvin's a man of wisdom, and he's just always had a, a gravitational pull to the Proverbs. So I wanted just to see if you could share a couple or three ones that have maybe Absolutely. been the most 
you know, influential. It's hard to, to nail it down to three or four, but uh, I love Proverbs. Solomon was the second wisest man to ever walk on the face of this earth. And I don't know how wise he was to have 700 wives, but he, he gained, I guess he learned a lot from that. But I love to read Proverbs because it's just the working man's manual. And if you need wisdom, if you need about your mouth, your morals, your, your interactions, uh, uh, Proverbs is just full of that. And so I've really, I've tried to read Proverbs uh, every month. Uh, and I look at my watch and whatever day it is, if it's the 15th, I know right where I'm at that I need to read Proverbs 15. So that's my favorite book of the Bible. But here's just some, some verses that have been a lot to me over the years. Proverbs 16.3, it says, Commit your works to the Lord and your thoughts will be established. And I've learned this, that when I get up during the day, I say, Lord, I commit this day to you. And guess what? You will have the right thoughts. Did you know that? He, he, you take him face value at his word. Say, Lord, I commit this to you today. And it's amazing what kind of thoughts that you'll have. If you're perplexed, if you're facing crisis at work, just say, Lord, I commit this to you. Because that's what his word says. Man, I believe the word. The word works if we put it in. So that's Proverbs 16.3. Proverbs 16.9 says, man makes his plan, but God directs his steps. You know, you're, we're responsible to have a plan. Uh, we are. God has given us a brain, and sometimes it's like, I'm just waiting on God. We'll, we'll plan something and see what he does. In sales, this is what I was taught. Plan your work, work your plan, or plan to fail. And that was hammered into me in sales. I have a plan. And so when I begin to plan my life with the Lord, it's like I begin to have a plan. And guess what? He'll direct your steps. So if there's, if there's some of you out there tonight that's like, I'm kind of in a crisis, in a crossroads. I really don't know what I'm going to do. You come up with a plan, and God will honor that. He'll start directing your steps. That's the second part of that scripture. Man makes his plans. God directs his steps. And if you have a plan, guess what? God can move you, get you anywhere overnight, you know, better than FedEx, anywhere. He can get you there quickly. But just start off with a plan and see what he does in that. The next one is, uh, I love this one, Proverbs sixteen eighteen says, A man's gift makes room for him. You have to serve to find out your giftings. And if you're here tonight and it's like, well, I really don't know how God has gifted me. I really don't know what I'm to do. Get on the playing field, start serving, and your gifts will make room for you. They really will. It's like athletics. You, know, you get out there, you line up, you run. The guys that are fast, you go over here, you do that. You guys that are big, come over here. On the kingdom, it's the same way. Get on the playing field, and your gifts will make room for you. And some of you in here tonight, it's like, I, I don't know what to do. Start serving and see what God does with that. The last one here, and this is in Proverbs, this is Ecclesiastes. It says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. And if I could tell anybody tonight this, whatever job that you're at, it may be a dead-end job. It may be something you really don't care for, and you're praying that God would get you out of it. You put your hand to the plow, and you do the best that you can. It's God that promotes, and he'll move you to the next step in the right time. He really will. I just say that because he's been faithful to me. I've had a couple of jobs that I hope nobody's here with that. Levi Strauss, midnight shift, I hated it. I absolutely hated that. But it's like this. I made him a hand. I began to work hard. And I think as a Christian, when we leave a job, that our bosses always ask us to stay because we're that good of an employee. You know, it's a sad thing, I think, for believers that they'll say, take your Bible and leave and get out of here. You know, I, think, I think believers should be the best workers in that. So those are some scriptures. I've got a lot more in Proverbs I could share, but we're limited tonight. So I love Proverbs. It's great. He's a man of wisdom and shares the counsel from the word but uh, also i just wanted to have him share a little bit tonight just the counsel of the holy spirit and uh, he's got several stories but one in particular that i just wanted to see if he could share it's just a vision the lord gave him back in his camping days and and yeah well i, I really believe strongly to live life without regret and when i graduated from college i had an opportunity to move to taos new mexico 
and manage a youth camp up there. It was not a Christian camp, and I, I jumped at that. I had a degree in coaching. I thought that's what I was to do, but I really felt strongly that I was to go to this camp, and so I did. And so I got to spend two years at this camp, and many times it would be months on end. I was by myself. I grew my beard down to here, hunted trap, did all the things like that. I had solitude. I got to know me. That paper won't stay. And one evening, uh, I think everybody needs that time of solitude just between you and the Lord to get to know yourself. And I was privileged to get to do that for two years. And I remember asking the Lord this. I said, Lord, what, what's my future look like? And he said, okay. And I didn't see this with my eyes. I saw it with my spirit. And many times the Lord will speak to us in that spirit language. And I want to encourage you, he'll speak to you in a language that you understand. You know, he's not going to speak Greek or Hebrew, something that's foreign to you. Whatever your background is, God will speak to you in that. Mine was backpacking, sports, and he knew that's what I listened to. So I was praying one night, and I got Psalms it's 119-105. He's a lamp into my feet, a light in my path. And that's been the, my, my scripture for life. That as I asked him what, what I had, what was my future, here's what he, I saw this in my spirit, that it was like I was on a trail, which I was very familiar with. All I could see was like a three-foot radius because a, lamp, a foot lamp in Scripture, it would hung on a little rope or, or, or thread, and it, it had a candle or, or down there, and you could see about three-foot radius, and that's all that you could see. So I was like I was on a trail, and all I could see was a three-foot radius. And so I began to walk, and I thought, wow. You know, and the Lord says, that's what I want you to do. Just follow me. I'll, I'll illuminate your trail and your path. And I said, well, Lord, I'd like to see more. And it was like in my spirit, again, I heard, okay. And the best way I can describe it was that it was like, floodlights came on and I, all of a sudden this trail was illuminated and I could see miles and miles down the road and what I saw looked like the Grand Canyon in, in the distance and I thought well I'll begin to focus on that and then it went black again all I could see was three foot around and so I said well Lord what what are you what are you saying and he said Garvin I want to tell you something he said when you get to the edge of that canyon which you've seen I'll have a bridge built across or another way around that's not for you to worry you just walk in the light that I've shown you and that's been the story of my life, man. He's never showed me three years, five years down the road. And, you know, before I came up here, it was a, I knew it was a three-year transition, but I never knew I was going to come to Colorado. He didn't show me that until about two months before we came. And he will illuminate your path. He'll light your, he'll be a lamp on your feet. And you can trust him in that. So that's been my life scripture. He really has. I, I believe that. He's never shown me. He didn't show me coming to New Life Church that we were going to go through a shooting 45 days after I got here. Or I might have read the fine print. You know, it's like, I don't know if I'll sign up for that. But he knows where we need to be. He'll get you there if you just follow him. So every man in here, if you just stay on the path with him, he will get you there. He'll lead you. He's faithful. That's great. Isn't that good? That's one of the things I experienced with Garvin and, and guys that, of his uh, season um, is that if you listen carefully to a story, you pick up on college and then camping, leading camping work, and then into sales and business and then youth ministry, executive pastor, and, uh, and what I see and experience from Garvin and have over the years is he's just faithful to where God has put him. And I think that's a real message for all of us, is that we just be faithful and steady where we're at, and the Lord will lead us in our time of transition. And so that's, that's been a great encouragement to me, Garvin, over the last few years. So just wondering also... Um, What's, uh, at, since you're a wisdom guy, you've had probably wisdom imparted to you, and I'm wondering, what's a piece of advice that maybe you've received that's had a huge impact on you, and, and also who gave it to you? You know, many, Russell, but I, I put down three here, because uh, my dad was one that gave me a lot of wisdom. I just watched him. I got my work ethic from my dad, that he felt every day you needed to accomplish something, so I, that impacted me. But 
I had coaches that really impacted me, and one of them was in ninth grade. I remember this, and it was Coach Van Alstein. And we were at a track meet, and I was a ninth grader, and we were running in varsity. I knew I was getting ready to get smoked, and he knew that too. And so we were getting ready to run a race. I was getting ready to run the 220. And I remember he walked up to me, and he kind of looked around like this, and he said, McCarroll, he said, you can do all things through Christ which strengthen you. Now get out there and run. And you, you know what? I ran the race of my life. I made the finals <laughs> as a ninth grader. I just remember that. He imparted something into me, just a word of encouragement that, that changed it forever. And then it's like, wow, I remember that man. The next one was when I came into youth ministry, there was a, a youth pastor that I got to know. He's quite a bit older than me. And I, I came in, and I didn't know anything. At 28 years old, I didn't know come from Sikkim about ministry. And so I, I saw him, and uh, he was kind of a little short, round guy. And uh, I said, can I meet with you? And he said, yeah. And he lived in San Antonio. So I, I, I went, drove down to San Antonio and spent a week with Chuck Atherton in youth ministry. And so when I went down there and uh, spent the week with him, I watched his life. I watched his family. I watched how he interacted. I watched how he prepared. He was never in a crisis. He dealt with crisis because I saw a lot that whole week I was down there. He loved his family. His family was in order. There wasn't chaos. There was order. And I remember it's like, I want to I do that. So I learned from him how to order my ministry world and not not be in chaos not be in pressure and that so i'm forever indebted to him and the last one is my my pastor uh, jimmy evans that i was at a church for 30 years in amarillo trinity fellowship and i remember uh, 28 years old i came into ministry and then at 53 i was leaving and at 28 years old i was jimmy's first hire and i remember him telling me this that he came in and said um Reverend, i want you to understand this that you'll never be more anointed than you are right now and I thought, I quit. Because <laughs> I didn't know anything. And, but then he said, however, he says, you'll learn to walk in your anointing. And that's been a life. It's been 30 years of learning that, of how the Lord teaches you to walk in his giftings. And every man in here, when you got saved, God did a complete work in you. Did you know that? Everything you need is in you now. But you have to learn to walk in it. You have to learn to take chances. You know, with the Holy Spirit, it's a risk take sometime. Are you willing to look a little silly sometime and step out? Or is it always going to be safe? So I've learned to walk in that more and more and take risk. And the Holy Spirit will teach you in that. So those words were really true for him and him that uh, you learn to walk in your own way. And I want to encourage some men in here. You're really powerful in the Lord. But you just hadn't stepped out and started walking in that yet. And some, maybe you need a man to call that out. Did you guys get that? <laughs> You're never more anointed than you were when you accepted Christ. Now we've got to learn to walk in it. So, uh, In just the last few minutes of our time, you guys pick up clearly on the theme of you know, camping, backpacking, man's man, and, and, uh, and also just the way the Lord speaks to him. And so just in terms of the backpack and what's in Garvin McCarroll's backpack, how would you encourage these guys to fill up their backpack and what do you do with it once it's full? Yeah, man, I wrote down four things I would encourage you to put in your pack. Um, and if I could tell anybody this is what you need, this is what I think you would. Uh, the first thing was to read Proverbs and study it every day. Apply it to your life. It is the most practical wisdom that ever, I think every man needs. If you have trouble with your mouth, your morals, your work ethic, uh, any kind of conflict, it's all through there. I love Proverbs. I think it is the most practical you know, book in the Bible. Little things like this. He that meddles in a quarrel not belonging to him is like taking a dog by the ears. Have you ever thought about that? 
You know, Solomon watched some old guy, uh, you know, go over and grab a dog by the ears, and he got bit, and he said, you don't do that. Well, it's just practical things like that. As a fool returns to its vomit, so, or as a fool as a, returns to his vomit, so the fool to his folly. As the dog returns to its vomit. You know, it's like it's, he just sat around and watched a dog barf and go over and eat it, I guess. I don't know. And then he watched people go get wasted on the weekend and go keep doing that over and over. So anyway, I, I love Proverbs because it's just a practical man's book. And there, there's a lot of more good ones in there, too. So the second thing is build a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Listen and talk and then write things down. You know, man, I'll tell you that uh, you've, I got to share one time about uh, this, that I was void of the Holy Spirit till I was 21 years old. I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit over at Buena Vista at a camp, and it changed my life forever. Yes, you receive the Holy Spirit when you get saved, but the infilling and the power of the Holy Spirit, that's, that's another step. And if you hadn't asked for that, all I can tell you is that I asked for that, and my life forever changed. I wasn't aware that there was a different spiritual realm. There's nine spiritual gifts that I had no knowledge that were available for us to the Holy Spirit to work through that. And he'll speak to you. If you talk to the Holy Spirit, develop a relationship with him, he will tell you what to do, and he'll walk with you. Just as it says in, it's in John 16, 24, that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things, and he'll bring to your remembrance. And so he really will. Uh, the third thing is establish unity w- with your wife. And for you guys that are married in here, uh, that's something I want to tell you. God blesses unity. And so be in unity with your wife about your money, about how you're going to discipline your kids, how your in-laws, that's a huge area. Every major decision, be in unity with your wife. Because here's what Psalms 133 says, for there God commands a blessing life forevermore. There's a blessing in unity. And how do you get there? You've got to talk a lot. I encourage you, what's the tail end of this would be, to spend one hour, one hour an evening talking to your wife. When I go home tonight and I get back, my wife and I are going to sit down and we'll talk for an hour. Now, we don't time that. I'm not legalistic in that. But I, I've looked forward to that over the years. In the beginning, it was punishment. I didn't enjoy that. You know, she'd say, how do you feel? I thought, with my hands. You know, I, I, how do I feel? I've never thought about that. You know, coaches didn't ask you, how do you feel? You know, tape an aspirin on it and go on. You know, that's what they... But she pulled things out of me because I listened. I call it the three S's. Sit down, shut up, and submit, and listen, and talk. And she'll pull things out of you that are really good. That's number three. Number four is invest and pursue two to three men in your life. You know, I've had to start over when I come to Colorado, and there's some men that I'm pursuing that are, that are my friends now. But every man needs it. I know the band of brothers are here tonight. But every man needs at least two to three men that you can relate to and go to in crisis and talk to and just enjoy life together. So if you don't have that, that's what this is about. This is one of the best connectors that I've ever met in my life. There's an anointing on Russell to get men together to raise up leaders and to do what he's doing. So he's an incredible man, and he's got a lot of men that he relates to. So, guys, that's part of my story. Uh, you know, you get gray hair, you got a lot of stories. And my mileage, everybody has uh, got stories. I'd love to hear those sometimes. So I appreciate you letting me have the chance to share. Thank you, Garvin. Wasn't that good? Great.